0: boy and the heron is over but here on post show recaps theater we are just getting started my name is grace and i'm not alone if i'm the heron then he's the boy ariel's here ariel how you doing
2: i'm so good yes i'm i feel so boyish after after walking out of this movie i feel like if i eat some uh some wara wara, that i might be able to fly (laughs) yeah
0: I uh, I haven't seen the dubbed uh, version yet. The American, but I I hear that uh, Robert Pattinson does a good job as the as the. Uh, did you? Which version did you see? Did you see Japanese subtitles? Yeah, I'm. So, subtitles? I almost.
2: I'm. Um, this is really funny because there's both the there. There are two layers to this: is the practical uh-huh. element and like the the purest element. Yes, the purest element. I'm like, oh, I really want to see it in. The subtitled version because yes. i just you know i have a history of that and it just it just feels more right yeah but like when a movie is when it's this big and it's a miyazaki film like you get some really to your point some some heavy hitter voice actors um and i haven't seen it yet so i saw the i saw the subtitle version as well just like you did
0: yeah uh christian bale uh robert pattinson mark oh Hamill, my god Bue, willem defoe dave batista yeah, it's good. It's a good. It's a really good dubbed cast. And
2: right? MCU Batman because that's and who M- Dave Bautista
0: plays. <laughs> Does he? No. I think he
2: plays. Uh, um, what's his name? Drax. Drax the Batman Drax. destroyer. Drax man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyway, we're talking the boy in the hair, and it's Miyazaki's latest film. Um. I'll I'll just say this up front. I I saw this movie in September. Um. And meant to go try and see it again before we we're gonna cover it. But, but where <laughs> did you see it, Grace? uh at the film festival that's it's international and it's at it's in the city of toronto yeah i don't know if you're a sports uh uh like a baseball bird but all this week so there's a really big baseball a japanese baseball star who there was a whole thing where like people tracking his uh private plane which they thought this is the best way they thought it was him coming to toronto to sign his contract and then some uh uh, a real like uh, reporter was like hey it's like that is him coming to Toronto. So everybody was like, and then the plane landed, and a guy from Shark Tank got off, and they're like, uh "Oh, it's not, <laughs> it's not him." And then Shohei Otani, then the next day, the next morning, like immediately, said he was signing with the Los Angeles Dodgers. And then ever since, every article that's come out has be like, "Pretty good that he didn't sign with Toronto. That place is a, uh, that place is pretty terrible." We're like, "It's like one of the biggest cities in North America." So, <laughs> Torontonian, Torontonian baseball fans are not happy this week. So this was. Yeah, okay, be careful oh. who you insult, there. You know? <laughs> People
2: yeah. out there who have sports teams that yeah. are, uh, represent their regions. Yeah. I, you know, I caught wind of this because I was in new Orleans yes. and I was talking to Jenny, yes. uh, famous uh, Toronto sports enthusiast. Yes. And I, I, you know, uh, I don't want to betray any conversations, but there yeah. was a lot of excitement. <laughs> that was, I it believe was, it was the day. It was perhaps two days. Plane tracking before.
0: day. It was the plane tracking day. One hundred percent. There was like because then there, and there was also a rumor. This is the other rumors of uh, a Japanese player who Shohei Otani has always looked up to. He met a res- made a reservation for like forty people at a sushi, a, a famous sushi oh. restaurant in Toronto. So about that, like. He's coming. He's on the plane. Yeah, it must have been the day before. He's going to sign. Okay, yeah. Because
2: she was fully... Yeah, because then the next day, I believe it was Saturday, it was announced... Um, because then I saw that headline, and ordinarily I would have no context besides like the Friday which astronomical number that yeah. was released.
0: Yeah, biggest contract in sports history, biggest contract by a baseball player by double the pre by if you combine the second and third biggest contracts ever, it's it then is the first it doesn't it's not as big as the first. It's wild, it's an insane contract. Yeah,
2: and and uh I thought of the first person I thought of was generally Normally the first person I would of thought of was you sure. because of the toronto but this time because of because i had seen James. yeah
0: i was really sad for yeah her. it's pretty sad day for all of us yeah <laughs> um well anyway we're here to talk about the boy and the hair but
2: i mean baseball yeah. is the most important part of this movie that we're talking about is
0: that
2: true? No, there's there's no baseball unfortunately
0: um so uh, yeah I, I mean this all started because i was saying that um Uh, it's been a while since I've seen it Um, but I I really enjoyed this movie Um, uh, when I saw it uh, I think it's you know I'm not a huge Miyazaki person I I think I've really only seen Spirited Away although my Mm -hmm. my thing about Miyazaki movies is that I watched I think Spirited Away was the first thing I watched when I got my own Netflix account i have been using my brothers and then Netflix did the like you have to have your own account you have to live in the same household Netflix wants me to watch every Miyazaki film (laughs) you you love this stuff chris you love it you gotta which like i do but it's not my like go-to especially uh if i'm not watching it if i'm watching it in the japanese with subtitles these are commitments where you have to sit and watch a movie instead of mm-hmm. being able to be on your phone so um right. but uh i i really love uh i like the boy and the heron a lot i think it's pretty fun it's pretty weird and i think that the the story is pretty um like I, you know, I think it's a a good one in terms of like this boy who's, uh you know, uh suffering with the loss of his his mother and trying to sort of figure things out. And, and the Miyazaki ness of it all, um, explores a, a sort of a, an alternate uh, magical fictional world. Um, it's good. I don't know what do, what do you what do you you've seen it much sooner than I have. So what did you make of this movie, Eero?
2: I saw it not too long ago. I think that uh, first of all, this is the kind of dumb stuff my story that i'm about to tell not the movie this is the kind of dumb stuff that i'm really interested in i was reading about like the japanese marketing for this film and like the i believe it was like in july that it came out in japan yes and they this is like one of the most this is something that i wanted like marvel to do with endgame when like in the year between infinity war and endgame i was like it'd be so badass if they didn't release any trailer for it and just like the anticipation would build and build and like that's what they did for this movie. At least in Japan, yeah. there was no trailer release. There was there was one image that they decided on for like the poster, and there was nothing else. No commercial, no nothing. And I was like, and it still made so much money, and it's awesome. I mean, because obviously Miyazaki is is loved all over the world, but especially obviously in in Japan. And um, I just love that part of it. And and similarly, I had heard before about how this was a it's a very Miyazaki thing that he keeps like retiring and then unretiring, which I also think is, yeah. is so fascinating and also funny because he could literally do whatever he wants. And people are like, thank God, thank God he's making more
0: movies. Well, I think at TIFF it was like, it's Miyazaki's last film. And then and I, I don't know if you get to that. And then it was like, a little bit after him, he's like, I don't know if that's my last film. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm work on something else, and they're like, "You bastard!" Listen, when you're as uh. creative as he clearly is, you know, sometimes uh. you think you're done, and then you're like, "Oh wait, I have more in there." I mean, is my is my supposition as someone who's not creative? Um, I, yeah, that part of it is really interesting to me, of like him having more to say, and in regards to this film specifically, like the way that it's. Um, it's a movie that he made for his grandson and that he wanted to leave a message about life uh, to a child whose whose own, you know, life he was he was going to be a part of but for such a for, for relatively such a small part of that childhood of, of that life um, and to leave something behind for him I think is like really profound and just makes the movie all to say the reason I mentioned all this because like that's what I went into the movie like with context of and it, it definitely enriched the experience for me um, because the movie has a lot to say about all those things about legacy about truth about family about like what you believe in when you're a kid and how you you know negotiate the world and you know adults don't treat you a certain way and you you, you think you'd deserve better and no better and all that, like these very, very universal um, human themes. And I thought it was, I thought it was really good. I think it, it's, I enjoy a complicated movie and this movie was a little bit complicated. So at points I was like a little bit confused, but never so confused that I was out of it. It was always like, I think intentionally like a confusion that was still, you know, having you lean in and lean forward and, and kind of continue with the momentum of the movie. Um, and cause by the end of it, really, it's like some of the specifics don't matter, even though a lot do. And I was pleasantly surprised at how much, um, explanation they give to some of like the inexplicable things. But at the end of the day, it's more about like the emotions and, uh, the relationships and, and that's what we, that's what we love. And you and me, Grace, yeah. we love a, we love a weird time loop kind of situation that we'll get into, uh, in spoiler territory.
0: <laughs> it's true. Um, before we dive in, so first of all, make sure you subscribe push your slash movies. Um, it looks like next week, uh, we're gonna cover Wonka, which Ariel's getting really good reviews. Gotta say, it's listen, like, uh, yeah,
2: I have been saying from the beginning that this movie was gonna be good. I'm just kidding, I'm as surprised as anybody else. Hey. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm almost in a way, this is gonna sound so crappy, but in a way, I'm like. I'm I'm a little bit almost disappointed that it's good because now oh, I have fair. to go into it with like a more yeah, uh discerning eye. I was ready to they just kind it? of Yeah. You know. They- uh, not hate it, but like be, be ready to laugh alongside with it and at it. <laughs> I'll say, I'll say, Listen,
0: okay. maybe though, for all the the you know people being like, oh, maybe this doesn't look very good, and then people went into the, the critics went into like the screeners being like, hmm, this is surprisingly good, and now it's getting good reviews. Will all the the audience crowd be like, oh, that's actually, well, it's not actually that was not
2: actually good? <laughs> but maybe it's like I the Golden think, Globes where they yeah. they they give a bunch of alcohol to all the yeah. reporters and yeah. the artists, and then the movie's great.
0: No, they give them, they don't give them alcohol, they give them like uh, wonka candy, right? <laughs>
2: yes, fuzzy bots that makes and, more sense,
0: yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, and then and then poor things, I think. Uh, at least I think it's been out in the states in a few, I think only nine theaters last week it was out. I think it's expanding again. This mm-hmm. weekend, and is certainly I, for my money. I don't know if it's the uh, best picture frontrunner. I think uh, Emma Stone is certainly the uh, best best actress frontrunner. So, we'll try to cover that next week as well. Um, mm-hmm. The Boy and the Heron. I have seen it sort of slipping from you know people predicting best picture uh nominees i I kind of saw it in there for a while and I think there's a lot of stuff like the color purple there weren't a lot of screeners for it I think people have seen it now and it's coming out Christmas day and so I feel like that's uh getting some some contention this came in third at um at tiff for the people's Choice award uh not to re-mention tiff again but um I feel like it did have the some ability to like maybe be a a best picture candidate. I feel like those odds have trimmed dramatically and now it feels firmly like it's going to try and compete for best animated, um, uh, picture. But, but do you have a sense of like, is, is this because at some point I do feel like it was like, you know, there was talks like, is this the best picture nominee? I don't really see that, but I definitely see it animated, uh, no doubt. it'll could... get nominated for animated, whether or not, yeah. win it, I think is the, yeah, I
2: could see it slipping into like, you know, some of the, the extra, nominations you know and especially in the best movie category you get a bunch of slots um i i don't feel to your point i don't feel the momentum i'm not hearing i was hearing a lot about it and like you know the lead up and and you know a sentimental uh nomination i think would make sense for people the way they feel about miyazaki i wouldn't say it's a front runner though
0: it, it did win the weekend. Uh, I think it made uh, something like uh, it's only made, it's made it a twelve million American. Uh, it's made it almost a uh, hundred million. Oh, Billy, no, a hundred million. Yeah, worldwide. So. This movie made
2: seventeen billion dollars. Seventeen this
0: weekend, billion. Yen, no, no, it made yeah, <laughs> uh, I did win the weekend though, so I think that,
2: Canadian monies,
0: <laughs> so I think that that's uh something, but anyway, let's let me spill the PSRT and we shall get into the boy and the heron. So we're set in 1943, um, and uh, 12 year old uh, uh, Mahito, his mother uh, is killed in a hospital fire in Tokyo, and his father um remarries, um, his his deceased wife's younger sister Natsuko um and they move to uh, sort of a countryside uh house where there are several old maids I love the old maids um and Mahito's sort of struggling as he's dealing with grief and he's sort of like um annoyed by and and followed by and sort of uh pestered by this gray heron who lives at the the, the estate and um uh he is following the heron one day and he finds this sort of like sealed tower. It's sort of in ruins near the woods. And, um, he ultimately makes some a, a bow and arrow from the heron's feather. And um, he gets in a fight with these other school children. Um, and then he sort of deliberately injures himself and then hitting himself over the head with a rock. Um, and while he's sort of in recovery, he finds a, a book called how do you live? Um, that has his mother's handwriting inside, um, which seems like it was intended as a gift for when he was older. um, and uh, then Natsuko, so his new like stepmom uh, slash aunt, obviously is uh, is is missing. Uh, who's not? It was like you know uh, sick because of her pregnancy. Um, but he ultimately like sort of goes to find her um, and and sees her, um, as well as one of the maids, uh, uh, Kariko. They they arrive at the tower, um, and the t- the heron kind of taunts Mahito um saying that his mother is alive and they should enter the tower um i believe he shoots the heron and it turns out that there's a little man inside of the heron costume it's danny devito i thought and it, it's pretty much is danny DeVito. yeah <laughs> um they go he goes inside the tower and uh and finds themselves in like this alternate magical world um inside mojito encounters like various people including a younger version of the maid uh Kariko. uh uh, Himi a young woman with magical powers who helps them and um, there are these like bubble like spirits which you were mentioning earlier Wara Wara I believe yeah and um, yeah and uh and then also natsuko's grand uncle uh who rules the the world he's a powerful wizard um mahito himi and the heron uh they go through the castle they are, this castle is guarded by giant parakeets um who find natsuko who is about to give birth um uh she tells mahito that she hates him um uh until he will acknowledge her as his as his mother um uh, amidst the search for the missing trio, Mahito's world, a maid tells uh, Mah- Mahito's father that the tower. Uh, was formed when a meteor struck the ground um, and that when his uh, he was younger, she once disappeared for a year before returning. Um, so Himi is then captured by parakeets and while rescuing Himi from the Parakeet King, Mahito meets with his granduncle um, who asks him to take over the job of ruling this world, um, explaining that only someone who's blood-related and free of malice can do so. Mahito says, no, thank you. That's a lot of work. I'm going to Pass. Yeah, I'm going to return back to the the world uh where people love me even though it's hard. Um and um uh and, she, and so uh the Parakeet King uh seeks to usurp the grand uncle's power uh but ultimately causes like the whole thing to collapse and destroy itself. Uh, Mahito uh they escapes with uh Natsuko and everybody else. Um and Himi reveals that she is a younger version of his mom um they return back um Mahito, natsuko and the heron return and they're reunited with his father and all of the alternate worlds inhabitants who also escape like turn into like normal animals basically thank god um, yeah and the heron tells Mahito he'll eventually forget about what happened in this alternate world uh, before wishing him goodbye and then we see a little bit later Mahito moves back to tokyo with his family and that's the boy in the heron arrow it's pretty wild
2: yeah, it's it is wild. I love um I mean to that last point overall, I think the the idea of you know childhood seeming like a its own magical and I'm saying like real world normal in quotes childhood uh having its own tinges of the you know supernatural perhaps but more so, you know, uh fantastical, you know, kids have crazy imaginations and that idea of like, eventually you'll forget all of this is really, you know, in a way sweet, but also depressing. And most importantly, like realistic, right? Like you have memories from your childhood that are like so vivid at times, but also there are things that you think of or are reminded by a relative or an old friend. You're like, Oh my God. Yeah. I totally forgot about that. And you know, sometimes it's something cool. Sometimes it's something awful and dramatic that you bury. <laughs> but, um, I thought that was such a such a wonderfully poignant note to end this incredibly complicated odyssey on. Of like, yeah, you rescued all these people, and you kind of rescued the world, even though in the process you destroyed another world. Uh, but you did the right thing, and you may not remember it for all time. But um, you know, at least the birds aren't murderous anymore; they're normal birds.
0: Yeah i I think it's a really interesting way to to sort of articulate this idea at the end where the heron will be like you won't remember this anyway of the like the way that we do and don't remember our our childhood that there's so much of it um that happens that when you're there's scientifically like when you are a child every you know every day feels like you know and every year feels for forever the, scientifically every year you get older your the year seems shorter because it's less of your life. I don't know if I'm explaining this or oh my t- God, am I explaining that's so this depressing.
2: right? It does make sense.
0: Yes. So a year when you are seven is one seventh of your life a year when you're 50 is one fiftieth of your life. So it feels like it's passing quicker and quicker and this is where like every time someone at an interview thing is like can you believe how fast the year went it's like no yeah like scientifically we're all like yeah <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> scientifically you've
2: never experienced it that short before so i yeah. totally feel your vibe right now
0: <laughs> yeah so there's there's that right so this and then this idea that yeah all this stuff happens it feels like more happens to you as a kid but then you don't remember it and so i do really like it and i i love coming of age films they're my absolute favorite of of trying to examine why people become the people they are, and that the mojito really grows up to be. You know, we don't see him as he's like he's old, but he goes through this journey of trying to deal with the fact that his mother died, and when he goes into ultimately, we learn that Akimi is is his mom, and sort of like she has to she has to stay there because if she does so basically when we learn when his father learns like your deceased wife like disappeared for a year as a kid like himi has to like stay i mean we say that the place gets destroyed but i actually don't know if it like gets destroyed. i mean she
2: escapes she escapes through a different door at the end back to her, her... point in the timeline so like right. it's this weird thing where she she was only in that imaginary world for a year quote-unquote as far as like our real life time right and then you know the timey whiminess of then much later on her son finds that world and she's still there but at the end he goes through one door and she goes to the other door to literally live her life and have him so it's like she got he got to see her yeah i didn't quite realize this part like he got to see her at a different point in her life even after losing her in the beginning of the movie
0: Yeah. I mean, we obviously watched a lot of stuff uh, that relates to this. We just watched, we watched yeah. dark, which has some of this stuff in it. We watched, uh, then we watched uh, what's the movie. Watch like La petite mama. If you've ever seen that, Yeah, should watch that after this. And then, uh, and then tales from the loop, obviously the first episode of that reminds me of this as well. So these idea that you could, yeah. And then, and that she, he can't rescue and save her. Like he yeah. wants to rescue her. Especially once he learns it's his mom, because he, he couldn't do anything when she's in the fire in Tokyo. Yeah. And And even,
2: even the way he's trying to rescue his aunt in the beginning, before he even learns about his mom, it's like, he's clearly trying to make up for not being able to rescue his mom from this fire, even though adult people, firefighters literally couldn't do it. But he, as a child, of course he does. It's this human thing, of course, of like, he couldn't do anything. He feels responsible. And now he has to make it right in this, in this instance.
0: Yes. And so then he can't, he can't like the world, if he did like bring her to his world, he does not, he can then not exist. So all things happen, all (laughs) things happen as they're meant to be, which is Mm. a thing. So like in, uh, you know, I am not a believer in like hard things happen to you because they should happen to you like i'm not a religious person i'm i'm i would say i might be spiritual but i'm, I'm definitely like that There are like you know mm-hmm. forces greater than us and we can't see but i, I don't believe right. uh i'm not i'm not like a classically religious person right, right, right. but the idea that like because there's this belief right of like you know people when you question you know, Christianity or any religion, you're like, well, then why do bad things happen? Why does a God let bad things happen? I am not a believer that like bad things are supposed to happen and and that they like, you know, you get something out of it and that's why bad things happen. But I do believe you can like, you can grow so much from bad things happening. And so like in this example, like I obviously don't want Mahito's mom to die. I want her to live and to raise her son and for them to be happy and whatever. But there's so much that he gets out of like this the the events that happen um uh in the film, right? It helps him process then going through like you know, going to the tower and everything that happens inside the tower. Um, I hate the parakeets, by the way. We talk about that, I hate them. They're so annoying.
2: (laughs) (laughs) They try to be funny as they sharpen their knives and wink at their victims and laugh and cackle. I don't find it funny. I find it extremely creepy, especially when they're traveling in massive hordes. Yeah. Um and you know, I'm not gonna get tricked by all the colors just because they're all <laughs> colorful. You know, you can't fool me, you're evil. Um, I do love the scene where like him and uh the the heron are like sneaking by all the parakeets, and the heron yeah. has like a really bad getup kind of on top of his already bad heron getup. He has now added like different eyes and another thing so that he looks more like a parakeet. So good and Mojito is just like traveling under a large pot that he ostensibly probably would have been cooked in yeah. and they're just walking by all these parakeets it's very very silly like kind of almost slapsticky um
0: the herons or the 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 parakeets just being hungry very relatable but you know, yeah I I mean, else, that part
2: i get that part's just human slash animal you know everyone's always hungry yeah, yeah. um but the the thing the the point about mojito you know like making uh making this choice is i think really interesting because you know to the extent that this is at all a a time travel story it's not it's more i would say it has like a time loop element in regards to the mom specifically um but in as much as this is involves time travel like this is very much like a lost show the show lost style like whatever happened happened um and you know the idea that he like you said he has to make this choice and kind of he has to first, before he makes the choice to return to his world, he has to first understand why he has to make the choice and why he, uh, you know, like, have the understanding of why making that choice is the right choice. And um, that he would... There was this thing that he does earlier in the movie where he, like, he takes a rock and, like, bludgeons himself on the side of head, which yeah. is probably, like, the least relatable thing he did in the whole movie. Pretty um, rough. When you're you like... Know, and, uh, no, no down shots, for the, like,
0: Yeah, so the jaunty like Miyazaki. Like I'm not a G- Miyazaki actually I haven't seen a ton of them. Like if this if this like kind of like dark stuff happens in a bunch of them, I I haven't seen it. So then I'm like so fun. And then it's like, <laughs> smashing stuff <himself laughs> in the head with a rock. He's gonna hurt himself on purpose. Also very dark, like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: But um, it's so it's so poignant at the end, though. As, although a bit heavy-handed, perhaps hitting the nail on the head or mm-hmm. the raw ro- the, the head with the rock. Yeah. Uh, of like. You know if he were to stay in this world it's a place without malice and he recognizes that he has he has malice within him at least some of it and it's you know what caused him to do what he did with his head and to his head and now he has this literal scar that he can point to um and that he would choose to return to the world in spite of the malice both within him and with the world it's still worth like living and having a life and that's like you know a profound thing that he learned while he was being chased by these murderous parakeets and other and other animals, but it was mostly yeah. the parakeets.
0: No, I I I love that so much. I mean, the book that he finds is "How Do You Live," and mm-hmm. his mother obviously like, wanted to give it to him when he was older, never got the chance. Mm-hmm. And I just the idea that you know, I I can't remember what other we, there's another movie that I feel like there are very similar themes to this one that I feel like we talked about, where it's just like I it's hard for me as somebody who who has like suffered from depression um that the idea of just you got to keep going and you have to keep moving and doing it because you will inevitably find the things that are there and i say all that knowing that like sometimes i do feel like this is what i'm saying about like bad things happen to to people for you know good reasons or like i again i don't believe that and i feel like sometimes when I try to articulate like why this type of story resonates so much with me, I feel like I'm feeding mm-hmm. in sometimes to like stigma that can be around it. Cause I, I do. Cause I feel like if I say to somebody, like somebody who's living with who has depression is suffering with depression to be like, you got to just keep going. It's like, <laughs> that is bad. That is unquestionably bad advice. I feel like, like, uh-huh. I feel like it's true for me. And but I also feel like, We should have lots of mental health services. Canada just launched uh, uh, our our first ever nationwide um, uh, uh, like um, uh, help hotline for folks who are um, uh, having suicidal thoughts. So I'm like, that's great. That's so good. That should be there. That should exist. You should have someone to call if you ever need it. But for me personally, like as somebody who like, I'm not like, at the moment like in the throes of my depression. So this, this story like really works in terms of like, when you feel like it's so, and not that like, he's like, de- cause he's more like looking for something tangibly to like, n- I mean, he is depressed I and mean, he's like purposely like not doing anything. He's like sitting at home. He's just like hanging yeah. out. Right. He's like, he's, he's so, and it's not like helping that. He's like super isolated. Um, yeah.
2: And he's a te- well, you, I think even a preteen, but he's, you know, yeah. he's approaching that age.
0: Yeah. He's 12, I think. Right. So, yeah. Right uh so yeah to me this like this story of like you just got to keep going and try to find the stuff that like is is uh is in life that like will keep you going uh for me like works so well like it's like it's this Mm -hmm. is the sweet spot for me in terms of like Stories that super super resonate um uh, with me, and I think this one is really effective. Then it has the fun thing of like, yeah, having these like silly parakeets. The grandmas, I love the grandmas. The beginning of the movie, yeah, just like constantly chattering um until like somebody comes clearly like gossiping until like someone yeah. comes in and they and they stop. Like um the I one thing I want to talk about is like when he goes. So she the uh, Natsuko go no yeah Natsuko goes in when she's having the baby. And when he finds her in the like the room, and she like yells him. So in this magical world, do you feel like whose whose reality is being when she's like you hate me and you don't want me to be your mom? Like yeah. I, I'm gonna hate you until you 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 realize that like I am your mother now. Whose reality do you think that that is from? Do you think that's Natsuka? It could be both. It could be like Natsuko's. Like she like this is now her like stepson who she wants to love and take care of because it was her sister's child and her sister died. And she wants so badly to like have this baby and for them to be siblings and and just like for that to work. And also like, or is it like his own, like, like this is what I think she thinks of me. uh, You know, like in this moment where she's like, or are they both just like, she actually does say it because that's what she's thinking. Like, mm-hmm. how do you read this? Like, cause it's so interesting that he follows Natsuko that she goes into the tower. I think,
2: yeah, I think, um, uh, I mean, first of all, very quickly, I want to mention how do you live being a real life book that, uh, it's a real life novel that like inspired this story. So I think that's interesting that it's in the movie just as an artifact, even though the story's not all that similar. Um, but to the, to your question, I, I for sure saw it as both. Like, and in the sense that it was like both of their, they were both separately in that world and like accepting that reality as their truth in that moment. And, you know, speaking of truth, I think the movie goes a lot into like, there's always either a lie, you know, hanging in the air or someone's talking about lying or someone's talking about never lying, telling the truth. There's the hilarious moment where like the Heron's like, i never lie or like i'd never tell the truth or what it like says it in different ways and I'm like well that's clearly a lie. Yeah. Um and just the idea of like you know with his family they they don't tell him at least as far as i could tell like the idea that this is his aunt now who is you know his stepmom is becoming this this person and now she's pregnant with his uh his sibling it's never really relate to him. Like he has to be told by someone else. Like there's a better way to handle it is really what I'm saying. And they really should have been, been honest with him. Maybe not in the very beginning, but like you really need to tell him because there's all this stuff hanging around the air of like, she looks a lot like my mom. And like, she's, she says to him at one point, I saw you as a baby. And then I never saw you again. My big theory was like, Oh my God, she's the real mom. And then the other twin sister just like became the mom cause he fell in love. And then anyway, um, but to the point about the scene like this is i feel like this is the this is the walls coming down this is the lies like everything is off the table except the truth and then like in this moment of emotional turmoil of like your life possibly ending because you're stuck in this room the truth has to come out and like she's she is worried like you said she is worried that he hates her and that he will never accept her so she turns around and says i hate you because you know and he in that in that moment basically turns around and says or his turns his his stance around i should say and says calls her his mom and you know he really he really does genuinely want to take care of her and uh take her out of there but i think in that moment both characters are are telling their truth in this room of like weird you know flying papers and uh they kind of turn into mummies a little bit because the papers are all over them um that felt like one of the few true things that she had ever said to him. And they're like short interactions um, because that's like speaking to her fear of what's like actually true, even though it isn't true. Ironically, like he doesn't, he maybe hates that she certain things that she does, but I don't think at all. She, he fundamentally hates her at this point. He's already, you know, he had already been told by somebody else that that's his on. And then he realizes. So like, but even yeah. before that, or, you know, especially after that, I think he's going to, he he wants he does care about her and I think he cares about his dad for sure and in as much as he wants to have a relationship with her and and knows what that means as a twelve year old he's she's a member of his family and he wants to to protect her like he couldn't protect his mom so I think that that scene is definitely important to their story
0: yeah I guess i my my theory of like is this like what he thinks she's thinking because it's it's not what he actually thinks right because he knows. Like he does care. Like he goes to try and like find her when she goes missing. Right. So it's not yeah. like he dislikes her. He's just a 12. No, no, no. Yeah. She, a, she's
2: uh, worried yeah. that that's the truth. It's true in the sense of like, that is her speaking her worry, which is a truth. And then he is rejecting that truth with his own truth, which is, I care about you and I want to protect you. And I want to get the hell out of here. Please don't stay right. here.
0: Right. Um, can we talk about the heron for a bit? I mean, it's the boy and the heron. Absolutely. Uh, not. I refuse. I, I wasn't sure I was going to like it. One thing I was a little bit annoyed by, like if it, I hope that you've seen this movie, if you'll see the podcast, if, if, if not, I presume you like know enough about it. I was kind of annoyed that like the promo for the boy and the heron that I saw a lot, like there's obviously the poster, which is just like a beautiful artistic rendering of a heron. But a lot of the, like the, the still image I saw was like, it, like, I don't know that I knew for sure that like the heron, there's a man inside the heron. But then when you're like, I'm like, oh, yeah, the like the, 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 the one of the promo images is like is is him, you know, with like the hair and costume that like basically like a hoodie now that he's wearing. Yeah. It really of, is. I, yeah, It's like a I, dog yeah, hoodie. Yeah. I kind of wish I never saw it because I, I think that like the, the the reveal of it just being like some mythical dude <laughs> in a hair. So, it is just Danny DeVito in a hair. <laughs> very funny. It's very good. I didn't think it would work for me. It's kind of the kind of the weird that I I often don't actually like and, and, and mm-hmm. I'm not drawn to, but boy, I thought like by the end of the movie I'm like, "Oh, what a silly little heron guy." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Miyazaki films are definitely very um they're obviously all over the place in their in their fantasy, you know, uh genre and they explore different different areas of it, but like there is a lot of um in this, there's always a lot of, uh, like gross stuff, like whether it be viscera, yeah. when he's like cutting the animal, even this is mildly gross when like the head is popping out of the Heron's mouth and you're like, what is happening? It I is was lucky enough gross. not to notice the poster. I mean, I, I remember seeing the poster, but I wasn't at all taking in any information. I will
0: say the poster with the beautiful picture of the Heron does have a little eye in the beak, but yeah, the, yeah there is, it's not, so that it's, it's, it's basically like a, a Teenage Ninja
2: Turtles, it basically uh, is. Uh, emote that we have in the It basically is. It
0: basically
2: is. <laughs> yeah he Miyazaki copied the discord <laughs> um That's yeah I think uh so yeah this you know, I was lucky enough not to not to notice that, so that what it actually was a reveal to me because like there are plenty of Miyazaki films where something like this happens where something way grosser happens or things are like growing out of people, but then there's like the very normal like it's a real animal who just happens to talk and there's no like little man with a big nose uh you know uh poking its head out out of the animal's mouth pretending to be the real animal um so i was not expecting that but it just made it like it really sets the tone for how weird the movie's gonna get and um full credit to him for being able to fly like when he's just the heron he's able to fly so gracefully and beautifully but once he's like the little man with the hoodie of the heron he's like can barely fly and is still thankfully able to like so save the lives of of
0: multiple characters by kind of fake flying and gliding around. So good, I I, I love it. Um, do you have anybody else? There's not a ton of other people. There is a, a Kariko who's like the main, yeah,
2: young young Kariko. I thought that was really yeah. interesting. Of like, so I, like I guess ostensibly, like young Kariko would have also returned to her own time because we have the like little figurine of old Kariko that gets stuck yeah with him in the world that he kind of carries around with him and then at the end turns into you know old carico proper uh but it totally would make sense if you know she also spent time in that world because she seems to know more about it and she kind of follows him in there even though she wants to tell him don't go in there or she does really tell him don't go in there um it would make sense that like uh that like uh his mom, that she would have spent time there and then returned from there, and either didn't remember or only remembered some things, and was there for a certain amount of time and learned from it and moved on, and now she she went on and lived her life and has aged into this adorable old little figurine slash person.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I I anyway, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's like it's pretty strong. I think it's a strong contender to win animated film of the year if it were not. For one Spider-Man movie, <laughs> this year.
2: yeah, it's that's that's tough. I, I actually, as you were about to say that, I'm like, what is she about to say? Um, uh, but yes, I, th- I think for sure that would be the biggest uh, competition. Even though I thought the first one was better, I love the second one, but I thought the first one was better. Um, yeah, I think that's they should just have. I feel like some of these movies turn into some of the some of the years of best animated animated film turn into like really a, a race between two films, sometimes three. Yeah. So maybe it would be like more dramatic to only have like two or three nominations. But.
0: Yeah, I don't think there's much else. I think that you probably have uh like I think everything below Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and the Boy and the Heron is a pretty big step down. I think it's like elemental Nimona super mario brothers movie did make a lot of money oh namona
2: mm-hmm. is at least loved um yeah by, i don't think at the content. same
0: same level though i don't i don't Damn, think so. Teenage Mutant i Ninja seen, Turtles. I seen... <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> Teenage Mutant ninja
2: turtles that was probably my favorite of the year
0: yeah uh yeah so i i really i think it's i think I feel like this is a runaway for Spider-Man.
2: Grace, why didn't Past Lives just release like an animated version and then they could compete in two categories? Category fraud? I say category yeah. plus.
0: <laughs> Can I tell you, one of the movies I saw at, uh, at The Peasants, uh, which doesn't seem like it's in the running, but it's, um, did you watch the Van Gogh movie where like everything was made, like every image of, in the movie? Is yeah, like the yeah, Go- I did eventually see the, it. The Peasants is the same where like basically they had like, th- like hundreds of artists create like thousands of still frames and then like animated them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an interesting movie, but I they like have, have to do that basically, but for past lives. Yeah. So, yes, I don't see what
2: the problem is.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> get uh, Miyazaki
2: to do a cartoon version of past lives and see how weird it can get all that. Like pretty fun. Uh, all the different layers of, uh, of in young, like perhaps yeah. physically represented
0: in real life. I, I would yeah. pay to see it. Um, Interesting week at the box office, Ariel, in terms of, especially for Japanese films, two of the top three movies at the box office this past weekend were uh, Japanese film. Uh, the Boy and the Heron, obviously number one, and then Godzilla minus one being uh, being number three at the box office. Hunger Games still still holding strong.
2: <laughs> Hunger Games still holding strong.
0: I think that's probably people going to see it in multiple sittings.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. They're like, okay, I'm going to pay for the half and then I'll return uh, after lunch and see the, yeah. the other half. Um, yeah Godzilla minus one something that we that you and I had talked about both of us enjoyed it it was you know definitely one of the better Godzilla movies arguably the best Godzilla movie in quite some time um, whether uh, American or Japanese but obviously for it to be a a fully Japanese uh, made film just makes it and for the budget that it was made, I think it was like fifteen million or I heard million, that he like said that.
0: came out and reported that and said, I would have been happy to have fifteen million dollars to make this movie. So oh I, so yeah, it,
2: they, it, so okay. so we just confirmed it. He made this movie for twenty, 20 dollars
0: yeah
2: and it looks great. like it, it looks, looks really good. the the amount of like between some cgi and and what I what seemed to me like some practical effects. The combination looks really good it 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 happens or it manages to thread the needle of like looking like an old school godzilla movie but also feeling like updated and modern and just like entertaining i thought it was um you know if you like godzilla movies this is an actually good godzilla movie it has i think most of the times we're like yeah we're gonna blow stuff up and step on stuff and then maybe he'll fight king kong uh but here it's like a little bit like this movie, there are like real emotional stakes. And um, it kind of takes you by surprise how much you actually care about some of these characters.
0: I, I think the thing that that works is that it's. I haven't seen Godzilla vs. Kong. I, I, I will probably watch it because the trailer came out for the second one. Uh, is it the new Empire that's coming out uh, early next year as part of like the Monsterverse, which also includes the Monarch TV show um, where the Russells played. The same father character. and son. Oh, no, yeah, they played I mean. playing the same, yeah, father and son, but playing the same character, which is hilarious. Um, but, um, for me, I mean, Godzilla is so linked to obviously like a post war Japan. Um, the idea basically being that like nuclear bombs, like it's like he's a nuclear monster, basically. Um, there's something that worked so well about this movie. It's a pretty simple telling of a Godzilla movie, but it's so, it's so good. It's got like, you know the like team up thing that 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 i think a lot of good like action movies have of like we need someone we need a, a scientist and we need like a guy who will drive the boat and like it's so mm-hmm. it's so good. we're gonna
2: need a bigger boat
0: yeah it has the like emotional residency to me of like there's a lot of like beats in the story that are like quite emotional i saw in IMAX I, I i absolutely loved it um i really went into to it knowing nothing other than this was a godzilla mm-hmm. movie yeah and, I and had- the
2: minus one part
0: and the I still don't know the minus one.
2: <laughs> I meant to Google it and I yeah, didn't. It mean? So I was yeah, like, man. I saw Godzilla one, and then I saw Godzilla minus one.
0: Yeah. Do I need to have seen Godzilla minus two before I go see Godzilla? Minus
2: you missed 1? it, right? Exactly. Like, well, how, yeah. What order are we going in here? Are Are they releasing them in reverse chronological yeah. order? That would be twisted.
0: Uh, I loved it. I thought it was so fun. Is like such a popcorn. You know, movie thing, I kind of love the like surprise nature of Godzilla minus one. I didn't even know it was playing in Toronto, and then I -hmm. I looked it up and was able to go catch uh showing uh, a co worker of mine who knows to watch movies. Like, should I go be seeing Godzilla minus one? Is like, yes, like knowing the types of movies you like if if you you care, yeah, exactly. So fun, so fun. I loved it. Um, there's the movie theater has, I feel like right now, such a mix of like, there is something for everybody. Like, if you want to go see a movie, it's not like this is like. Oh man! Like Marvel took up like sixteen of the you know 20 theaters, and I love it. Like, but even if you want to go see a Marvel movie, like the Marvels is still playing. So like, <laughs> thank God the Marvels did bad, so that Grace could
2: feel good about the the amount of variety that
0: we have. <laughs> I just you know, but well, imagine I that get, Dune, imagine that Dune had come out, right? Dune would have been like oh, kind of dominating the box. Now like, I'm living in that world. I know, I know. Which like ah, I don't, I don't want. <laughs> I don't want Dune to have been delayed. But also, I just think, like, right now, it's, like... I th- I don't know if this is, like, appealing to, like, people who don't go to the movies. But to me, right now, like, I'm, like, checking all the the... Because the, not every theater I want to go see stuff. Like, the thing I'm trying to go see... Oh, I tried to go see the Boy and the Heron. I was like trying to like figure out which movie theater I could go to. But it's like, but not every movie theater is playing all the same stuff. Like if I look at the this week, that's Black Weekends box office. So the Boy and the Heron, The Hunger Games, Godzilla minus one, somehow trolls band together is still number four. Renaissance, Wish, Napoleon, Waitress, the musical. Uh, we have Silent Night, The Marvels, Thanksgiving, Saltburn, The Holdovers, Poor Things was playing, Dream Scenario, Eileen, Oppenheimer is getting re released in theaters in January. Um, I believe it's still playing. Um, Priscilla, Next Gold Wins, Fallen Leaves, Anatomy of a Fall, Monster. There's so many movies out right now, and I like, I, there's not really a movie there that, like, there's some obviously that I'm like, yeah, it's fine, but like, there's a lot of really good movies out right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there's, um, I've been hearing just from like casual movie observers to your point, like not everyone cares, what, what, you know, what yes, movies are out in the option, but like for sure there seems to be the perception even to like, quote unquote movie outsiders that there is a lot going on right now, whether it's stuff that's going to be released on the streaming services in the next few weeks or just a lot of these movies coming out that like we're talking about and, True. you know, gearing up to talk about there, there is at least, and I think that's a big deal, right? Like for, for kind of everyone to be aware right now of so many things coming out, I think is, is, um is telling that like people, you know, care to varying degrees about that kind of stuff, but um, it's uh yeah, there are a lot of movies and even though I've seen a lot of them there, I always feel like I'm behind
0: well, I didn't even – That's that, so that list I was reading is only theatrical releases, which means yeah. I didn't name May-December, which I feel like the weekend it came out had so, – I think people were both having a lot of fun, and then the people who didn't watch it opening weekend were like, everybody spoiled me on May-December. <laughs> To yeah. so be quick, and then um, leave the world behind. which just and I covered on full spoiler recaps this past week, is a, a lot of people are being like, I found this movie incredibly interesting. I had two people reach out to me uh, just to be like, this movie is wild. Um, so yeah, it's like it's. I, there's a lot of movie stuff happening right now. Ariel,
2: I always joke, we but it's too much. Like <laughs> it's too much.
0: It well, is, it, it
2: is you know, obviously it is a a joy for us who enjoy movies and would be seeing them anyway. But like it's uh it's a lot and i feel like this this time of year was always going to be tricky but with like the strike of it all and certain things moving certain things getting dumped certain things just um you know there was just going to be a lot of a lot of stuff out regardless and i have a feeling that like the the some things remained in place because the strike ended up finishing and then you have like a little bit of a of a traffic jam that consumers love but are you know is a little bit it's a little bit uh uh, intimidating quantity wise
0: yeah um well as i said next week we'll be covering wonka and we'll see if we can get an episode out on poor things um in the meantime ariel what else you got going on where can people find you
2: oh i'm just recovering um from from a lot of stuff last week a lot of potting that i did uh i'm covering six feet under with dr amanda doing a season one rewatch uh well rewatch for us but just a f- uh, spoiler free uh watch for people season one was released on netflix the whole series was released on netflix Um, and we are, you know, almost finished with, with season one. So that's exciting. And then, uh, Chappelle and I are recording a holiday themed Grey's Anatomy episode for this month. And I think that's everything, just like the 17 million movies you and I have to cover for the rest of the year. I Mm -hmm. am on uh, Twitter X at that other aerial.
0: Um, so yeah, in addition to movies, I'm currently chatting about Fargo, the curse the crown yellowstone comes back in january for 10 episodes in three weeks uh so rich and i'll be trying to do that full spoiler recaps as i said uh if you're a movie buff this week we talked about uh, leave the world behind uh which I-, I thought was like really really good um i feel like people either love it or hate it though so uh it'll be interesting i think
2: the ass mailheads uh came to party and they they knew what they were gonna get
0: yes yes great. um so yeah i'm on social media at high from grace we'll be back next week until then i'm grace he's here we hit in the